This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. The world is the exception. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and ends a saint. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French, fuck those fuckers. Hello, and welcome to The Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series The Boys and the spicy world of soups and stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams. And I'm Rachel Reeves. And I am shaving off my hair and crying to <laughs> the sounds of REM because we are at the end of season one. Today, we are talking about season one, episode eight, You Found Me and... Rachel, I am so excited to talk to you about this episode. There are some spoilers that I am very proud of myself for not accidentally revealing and just cannot wait. So how are you feeling about this episode? I am shook. I am. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I like there's so many things that I'm so grateful I haven't had spoiled by yeah. like, just like out in the world, like seeing things. I guess my world is typically so like horror dominated. Mm-hmm. Some of these spoilers and didn't filter down to me. And I, oh yeah, I've got some feelings mm-hmm. and I just can't believe we're here. Season finale. And it's been quite the whirlwind. And yes. This is, this is a great <laughs> season finale. So I can't wait to just into all of it because there's a lot (laughs) there really is yeah and it is a great season finale um and a great season too so I'm excited to to Mm -hmm. cap it off um well before we do that let's talk about um any news with our section Huey Cutie and the news yeah so there's not a whole lot to report regarding season four at the moment um I think they're yeah it's all filmed so they're still working on actually getting it all completed but that does not mean that things have been quiet in the world of the boys <laughs> um so yeah recently kind of social media has been buzzing a little bit about the first live action spin-off show of the boys called gen v <gasps> I don't not know if you've Jen, heard about this. J-E-N-N. Yeah, J-E-N-N. <laughs> what if it was just about me being a superhero? That would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Side note, we did a team building thing when I was a teacher, and we all went around the circle and t- said what our superpower would be. And everybody was like, oh, mine would be flying, or I would be invisible, or whatever. And I was like, I would have mental domination. <laughs> and they all were like, oh, shit. <laughs> They're like, okay. First of all, I had to explain what that was, which did not help um, their their opinion of me. But anyways. That's so funny. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so this one, I think. So, okay. The first tease about this show kind of came out last December 2022. And this show apparently is going to center on Godolkin, I think it's Godolkin, Godolkin, I don't know how you say it, Um, University School of Crime Fighting, which is a for-profit center of higher education run by the nefarious and omnipresent Vought International to train the next generation of soups. And they call it God You. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, with any other show, I would say that sounds like Disney-esque, but this is going to be like Gossip Girl superhero. (laughs) Yes, it could be very, you know, just, I I don't know. I'm excited because it's like, yeah, exactly. Younger cast. 
Um, but also supposedly there's supposed to be a lot of crossover with the characters from the boys, not as regulars, but, you know, kind of coming in mm-hmm. and out, which could be really fun. Um, so yeah, pictures and some, the cast announcements are out there, but the exact release date is still TBD. However, recently what they have confirmed is that the show will come out sometime between January 1st and December 31st, 2023. <laughs> um, just classic boys PR social media team. They're so funny and just like, (laughs) so they're like, hey, we can confirm it'll be out sometime 2023. So super vague. (laughs) But um, however, that is probably likely due to the ongoing like WGA strike. And it will probably factor into like how desperate Amazon eventually gets for content Mm. (laughs) because it's done. So it's like, well, maybe they're probably just holding on to it to see like, Mm -hmm. like, uh oh, we've gone through everything that we have. Uh, Yeah, let's put this out there. So TBD. Well, and if it were still filming, because I think we all remember the Friday Night Lights thing where Landry killed somebody and it was really sad on Friday Night Lights like but it's already done so it's not like the strike is because ordinarily I would say hey take your time we care about writers and do what you need to do I would rather have a good show and it come out a year Mm -hmm. later you know than them rush through it Um, yeah and they did say they have um like even most of season two already done really well that's yeah even though this one's not even out yet so they're I guess banking on it. Well, at least being written, not filmed. Oh, okay. okay. But at least like season two is mostly written. I think one of the writers put out there. Um, okay. So that's promising, I guess. That's encouraging. Yeah. I mean, to get a season two is not an easy thing. So that tells me it's either really good or they have a lot of confidence or yeah. they're very desperate. So, yeah. We'll see, but no, yeah, no lack of boys content anytime soon. Um, you know, regardless of what happens with the strike, we'll have plenty to feed our uh, hunger for the boys. Yes. <laughs> well, and speaking of the boys and our hunger for them, let's move into our next category, uh, the name of the game. And this episode is called You Found Me. And which could mean lots of different things. I'm kind of liking the the multiple levels of that. Um, So our description is season finale time, questions answered, secrets revealed, conflicts conflicted, characters exploded, (laughs) and so much more. So classic boys. Yeah, Yeah. there is so much more. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, This one was, this episode was directed by Eric Kripke. Yeah, and I think... This is the only episode he's ever directed of The Boys so far today. I think I think that might be accurate. But anyways, he wanted to handle it himself. And I think that's just really cool. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, I just think it's so great when people get to tackle these properties that they're clearly so passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, And he when this originally first came out, I found a couple interesting quotes that I thought were cool that Eric was saying about the finale and his work on it. Um, so one of them was, Eric said, I always try to write the season finale as a pilot for the following season and make Mm. sure that whatever we're talking about in that finale are issues we're going to be interested in exploring the next year. So far, we've been doing that and it's been turning out well. We have this real quirk of the show that it keeps reflecting reality. Now people are scared of people coming over the border and people are feeling like we might have to go to war and suddenly the world is so much more of an intense place than it used to be and so is our season two. So, I mean, mm. that was back in 2019, but a lot of that's still Ooh. ringing true and just mm-hmm. they're they're always looking ahead. Um, that's smart. And- I hadn't heard 
that, that's an interesting approach, you know? Yeah. And so the big, there's a big spoiler yes. at the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming everybody's seen this, but mm-hmm. there is a reveal regarding Homelander's uh, spawn. <laughs> and this is different from the comics. And I think that's so interesting. So um, Eric Kripke on making a big change from the comics to the show was about this kid and what he had to say on that was you have this kid who's half human and half monster half the person butcher loves the most in the world and half the person butcher hates most in the world that's just too perfect a character to not keep alive so apparently in the comic um butcher ends up killing this kid but eric kripke was like no that's too tempting like we need to explore this more and not Mm -hmm. just get rid of him so that's why he made this big change so not only is this like an incredible cliffhanger ending for people that have just been following along this season for people that were following along with the comics and were familiar with those this was like a wait what right kind of moment too (laughs) so i love that it works for both fans of the comics and for just you know fans like me who are only really familiar with the show so far to be like wait what (laughs) yeah and I love that you know and we talk about this on the losers club a lot like we talk about adaptations and Mm -hmm. changes to source material and like I'm not a huge stickler for it one way or another as long as the person making the adaptation like really understands what they're trying to say with it and feels like they're really honoring what the story and the characters are about and I feel like you know I also say that not having read the comics but like I like that and I feel like I like exploring another version of this story because the comics will always be there for us to read and we can always have that story you know yeah I will say they did cinematically kill um, this kid because this is the last appearance of this actor in the role oh. of this kid. <laughs> um, so they, the next season we're going to see, um, hold on, let me scroll, Cameron Crevetti, who okay. is one of the twins in... Um, I first saw him in Big Little Lies. He's one of the... the did you watch that show? Uh-uh. Oh, it's so good. Did you did you watch Goodnight Mommy? No. Wait, but the, wait, the new the new one. The yeah, newer yeah, one? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is not so good, but he's one of the twins in that. So he's kind of okay. like an up and coming kid actor, you know, and Yeah. I I'm enjoying his performance as we see him age. So so that's a little I guess fun fact. Yeah. Um well, speaking of, I keep saying speaking of and then talk about something we're not speaking of at all. So maybe <laughs> my superpower is not having good transitions. Um, all right. Well, let's move into our next category called Sup with the Soups, which is where we recap the episode. And Rachel, your superpower recently has been remembering to fill out this section of the outline because I keep forgetting. So <laughs> would you catch us up with where we are? Oh, yes, yes. So in the last episode, Huey and Starlight take their relationship to the next level, and then they proceed to burn it to the ground (laughs) um, after Homelander reveals what Huey has been up to in his spare time, Mm. which is all new to Starlight, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Butcher and Homelander come clean to each other about their past and present relationship, which leaves the boys completely and totally burned um as homelander has discovered everything they're up to and everybody that's involved so not so Mm -hmm. good um homelander also finds out that he's considered a failure 
in the eyes of his maker and also that he became a father all in one conversation which is pretty brutal Ooh, a lot yep. to process <laughs> yes, <laughs> so. a big old info dump yep even for a superhero right um <laughs> You know, the Deep continues to feel useless in Sandusky and ends up getting sexually assaulted, Oof, which is rough. Mm -hmm. But, you know, yep. perhaps he'll be able to work out at least some of those feelings in his new memoir that <laughs> we see writing. Yes. M.M. <laughs> um, becomes forced to reveal that he's a daughter in order to keep her safe after, you know, being burned by Homelander. And uh, that ends up damaging his relationship with both um, his daughter and Monique. A-Train's denial continues to dominate his <laughs> life on all fronts, yep. not, not not handling all that information well. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's struggling. Mm -hmm. And then Huey has started to kind of see that not all that glitters around Butcher is gold and starts to really actually truly think for himself, for better or for worse, is kind of testing the waters with his relationship with Butcher. And, and then, oh, yeah, we found out Homelander's real name is John. <laughs> So there's that. Still blows my mind. Yeah. We're going to have to, if we, if I drank, we could, we should play a drinking game where we drink every time they actually call him John. And actually I'd probably be fine. Cause I don't know if we ever, I was like, wait, John again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but we'll have to be on the lookout to see if that ever comes back into play. Mm -hmm. And we ever hear that name again. Um, all right. Well, let's move into speaking of John. See, that was a transition <laughs> that actually <laughs> made sense. Um, so let's talk about John, a.k.a. Homelander, because he starts off this episode and he kicks it off with a bang and with our catchphrase. Mm -hmm. You guys, you're the real heroes, which I was like, someone's been listening to our episodes. <laughs> That's definitely it, yes. Yeah, they, they went back in time and, and edited it, yeah. Um, but so he start he rocks an actual Casbah uh, and just lasers through a whole bunch of, I say quote unquote, terrorists, because it would not surprise me at all if these this is just like a, a house full of people, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, interesting, very brutal, very gory. Um, He's just lasering through people left and right. Like, he's essentially not even really doing anything. He's just walking through and lasering eyes until he just squishes some dude's head, which is also very upsetting. Yeah, he is enjoying this a little too much for comfort, you know? It's mm -hmm. like, yeah, you know, I don't know if it should be quite so easy to just chop somebody's legs off. And I don't know, seems a little uh, showboaty. Uh -huh. You know, he's, he's always performing. He's never just innocently saving lives. He's always got to put on a show, this Homelander. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, and he walks out. And it's playing Rock the Casbah the whole time, which I think is just the perfect way to show how he is feeling about this because he's like sauntering through like this is a good time for him on a Friday night. He comes out and he just says, God bless America. Like he's he's really feeling himself. And it's like, you know, part of me can kind of understand this. Like if you're really good at something, it's cool to do it and be good at it. But what he is really good at is killing people. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's <laughs> hard and cool to watch. He also knows, I think, like what a big moment this is. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, we see that when he returns home, like everybody's like congratulating him. And I think he's starting to see that his plan, uh, which we learn more about, you know, has been working mm -hmm. and, you know, he's gotten what he wants. Yeah. He's just like a really snarky 
I don't know, asshole in that regard where he's like, all right, I'm in the military. This is what I've wanted. I've wanted to like kick everything up a notch and really be that kind of like all American hero that he's been, you know, pretending to be basically. And this is his way of actually fulfilling kind of that fantasy. And it's all happening for him. Yeah, it's all happening. Yeah, it's a very like Patrick Bateman listening to Huey Lewis in the news moment, Yeah, you know, um, and just like really, really getting into it. Um, and we do I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but we do find out about his plan and that Madeline didn't know about this. Like I was shocked by that. I was too. I I, like, had no idea. So, like, the fact that, like, the call was coming from inside the house kind of thing, like, I was like, wait, Madeline didn't know that was all him? Right. Damn, Homelander. And it seems like the kind of thing she would do. Like, she would be on his side, but also that she would probably try to manage it. So I wonder yes. if that's why he he just wanted to be in control of something because yes. when we think about what he has actually been able to control up to this point it's not very much you know mm -hmm. and this was kind of like his audition to be in control i don't know if he's looking at it that way but his like see i can do this i got you what you wanted and now we're in the military you couldn't do it and mm -hmm. so i took matters into my own hands and so there are like and he says Sequel after sequel after sequel, which is such a, an interesting way to describe this because he's talking about creating supervillains all over the world like Kamiko. Yeah. Um, and, and the way he talks about how messy it was and how like enough of them survived that it's worth it. It's just it's so chilling and it's so cold. But like I think he he is really thinking about movies. You know, I don't think he's really thinking so much about like defending the country or like doing anything that is reality. He's thinking of appearance totally because he knows that he's safe. He is not going to yeah. die. And so it's all just to show to him anyways. Well, you know, he's just crafting a storyline and like he's. I mean, we see this in actual like real entertainment all the time or like in reality TV. It's like they're, you know, they talk about like storylines and narratives mm -hmm. and like they're, oh, they're, it's just so strange because it's like these are real people, but he's looking at it from like a marketing standpoint from like a being, how is he going to be able to like sell this to the public when it's like, wait, this is like so weird to think of it from that perspective but mm -hmm. but he's been raised in that environment so how can he look at it any other way like he has been like literally bred to do this yeah so it's like it's it's a weird thing i it's also it feels like he's trying to prove that you know he, i mean we've seen him he's capable of so much more than just being a superhero and just leading the seven it's like mm -hmm. he wants he wants to prove that, like, I can run this company. I yeah. can make these big decisions, you know, put me in that boardroom, put me in like these where these decisions are being made. Like, I can help you make these decisions, not just execute them. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of his like audition for that. Yeah. Which is awful and really sinister but it works. <laughs> right, exactly. Because that is, he's just taking Vought's plan to the next level. And like, I think Madeline would be in on this. Maybe, but like, I still think because she is human and because if somebody blows up Vought Tower, she's going to die. You yeah. know, I think there is still some level of like, stakes for her and caring about humanity. And like, if this whole thing crashes and burns, like, 
I am going to have to pay for it and I'm not invincible. And I think that's really the only thing that would hold her back from doing this. But I mean, it. I feel like it's shocking to both of us that she wasn't involved because it seems like kind yeah. of thing she would be involved in, you know? Well, and she, and she never let any of that kind of like, you know, she, she never cracked. Yeah. Like when they first kind of, we first meet that first super villain um, in the last episode, it's like she didn't really let her surprise show. Mm-hmm. Right. To, you know, like the, was it CIA? Was that what they were? Yes. <laughs> the Rainer, like of... like her people, their CIA or whatever. FBI like she, some, uh, some agency thing? Yeah. She didn't <laughs> let it show to them that like she didn't know what was going on. Right. Like mm-hmm. she was just, she just played it cool, which is, I guess, you know, what you do. You don't like confirm or deny. <laughs> you just right. are like, hmm, that's weird. That's interesting. But she wasn't like, wait, what? No. Right. Like, I don't know. She's well, a professional at all times. And if she's interacting with Homelander on a day-to-day basis and she, like, we see at the very end when she is finally honest with him and she says, I'm scared of you. Like, it's the first time I think we've seen her admit fear or even really show fear all season. And, like, you just can't show that fear or or Homelander is going to find that weakness and eat you alive. And and that's what happens. Um, There's quite Mm -hmm. a bit to talk about with the two of them. I wonder mm-hmm. if maybe we can save kind of the 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 all explosiveness of it until the end because there's sure. there's a lot to unpack and I want to talk about Butcher in yeah. all of this too. But yeah, Madeline. Oh, and we also see Mr. Egger for the first time. Yes, who, who is Giancarlo Esposito, <laughs> and who did you watch Breaking Bad? Yes, I loved Breaking Bad. Yeah, so it's so great to see him pop up, and he's the kind of actor who like carries a certain menace with him. So it's just, it's so fun. And we've already seen them react with fear to just the mention of Mr. Edgar's name. Um, So just to see him in this role is just, it's awesome. Um, And he's grooming Madeline to be the next uh, Mrs. Edgar. Maybe not, you know, they're not going to get married, but you know, he's like, Hey, why don't you move down to to my office and start running things? Yeah take over when he retires at some point yep which might mean that he uh she has to take uh some time away from running homelander's day-to-day life and i think if if not for the end of this episode that would be an uncomfortable conversation they would have to have some time down the road which i imagine would be very scary to me if i were madeline but we don't have to worry about it or she doesn't (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and more on that, too, because there are a couple of scenes that I feel like kind of encompass a whole lot of plot lines. And I'm thinking maybe yeah. we could talk about those more in shock and awe. I wanted to mention Annie's mom. I, you know, I've kind of hesitated to put her really on any list yet, but I wanted, I put her on the bad boys list this week. And I just wanted to, kind of talk a little bit about this choice that she made. So essentially we find out that she was offered a deal by Vaught to give Annie compound V when she was a baby. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. it was a baby because that's what we saw in the hospital. Um, And I don't know if she got money or not. Um, I I feel like they said they said she didn't get paid. Oh, really? Oh, that's right. She said she she it wasn't like a paid thing. It was just the opportunity to be special and have a better life and yeah, yeah. be unique. <laughs> and I think 
I, I think maybe we can agree this is a bad thing to do. I think Annie feels like it's a bad thing. They are These are drugs that are experimental and secret, so that mm-hmm. is obviously dangerous. But I can understand the temptation to do that, you know? Like, she's like the worst kind of pageant mom, you know? Yeah. And well, and it's it, like it gives, yeah, it gives her an opportunity to live vicariously through her daughter. And, like, because mm-hmm. of the the public perception i think of these soups the fact that they are chosen by god yeah that it's like oh like but then that means like the parents were also chosen in some respect right because they mm-hmm. created this child yeah so like they're also kind of by proxy chosen as well right so mm-hmm. it's yeah there's some there's some selfishness there for sure it's not like a totally like innocent decision like oh this is all for you like there is absolutely some other emotions at play well and i think that the the part that feels so sinister for me is the part that she's been raising her with such a religious like ideology that like you you were chosen by god that is who gave you these powers and saying that knowing that that's not what happened and i mean you she says well god brought vought to us which is uh, you know, essentially okay. a cop yeah. out. Um, but like, I think about this in terms of like a train too, because uh, maybe a train's mom got approached with the same deal. And if, and we've heard a little bit about the circumstances that he was in, he was in when he was a kid. And we mm-hmm. also know like how much healthcare costs right now and how much yeah. like, it costs to have a baby. So I could see it. It I think it maybe says more about Vought preying on parents than it does really about the parents making this decision, because I don't think it's a good decision. But I also would be curious, like if Starlight actually could go back and change it, would she, you know? Yeah, I don't think I mean, that's a lot to process. And I don't think she's actually said that it, it was so funny, like watching her, like, confront her mom about it it reminded me of when like i figured out santa wasn't real <laughs> what like, <laughs> sorry spoiler alert <laughs> like i had a convert like i was like i don't know just being bratty and like mm. trying to pretend like i was all grown up and i was like you know like i know santa's not even real and just like oh. totally lying and my mom was just like yeah you're right and i was like wait what what <laughs> just oh like God. you know like I was just like trying to like call her bluff and then she Uh was just like yeah and like called mine and it was just shocking and it was like that's what it's like looked like Starlight was doing you know and then her mom Uh confirms it and it's just like that devastating of like oh my god wait this is true right that's some Shauna talking to her daughter on Yellow Jackets first season (laughs) yeah yeah exactly wait I can play this game too yeah our um my son is I think he kind of knows but every time he's he's broached it Corey last time Corey was like do you really want to know and he was like no <laughs> yeah. he kind of backed off of it so yeah yeah because you can't unring that bell and I mean their ignorance is bliss and if it truly is something that you cannot change I do think it's it's extra devastating because she finds out that's essentially why her dad left too yeah Um, it's a double whammy too i mean and her mom does say like he was in support of the decision but then later kind of you know thought about it more i think and maybe regretted that decision but also like 
you still left your they kid. Weren't, they weren't. Well, yeah, and they weren't going to tell her, so he just right. had to. He just left, which is like, oh, brutal. I know. Yeah, it's just I, I really feel for Andy in this episode. But I did like when she says, "How did you find out?" She says, "A friend told me," which I thought was mm-hmm. really sweet. And I was like, even through all of this, I think the connection that she and Huey have made is strong. You know, when she realized, like, okay, he wasn't lying to me, right? So, like. I think that's maybe the moment where she's like, maybe he's not lying to me about everything else, too. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I'm going to maybe reevaluate the situation because clearly this gigantic secret was true. And he he told me about it. So Right. He's the one person in my life out of so many people that probably knew that mm-hmm. has told has actually told me the truth. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the deep. Not a whole yes. lot to say about him in this episode. Speaking of but, harsh truths. Oh, <laughs> yes, man. Oh, so also really great needle drop. Everybody hurts. I just mm-hmm. love Perfect. it. Brings me right back to my so-called life and just crying in my room when I was in high school. But so he's the savior of Sandusky. But he's thinking that he's about to make some plans to come back, like leading some kind of dolphin squad, which actually sounds pretty cool. Like, yeah, I would be into it. And then he starts sad shaving, which I guess is something he frequently does because I know that's a swimmer thing, you know? Yeah. And then he just shaves his head. Still smoking hot, but he's yeah, got less hair. I, <laughs> I think he thought like he was just kind of like on a timeout. Mm-hmm. But, like, doesn't realize just how kind of blacklisted he is because yeah. it's like, no, dude, you are too much of a liability. Like, mm-hmm. you are not just on a vacation. Like, you are on, like, a sabbatical. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm-hmm. just, you're going you're, away you're for a fired. while. You're fired. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're essentially, like, you're on a mission, just similar to the way Translucent is on a mission, but it's really just they don't want to deal with him and they can't deal with him. He's too big of a risk. And... I think it's that moment where that poor dude has to tell him, like, no, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that he, like, well, yeah. And, like, when he's sit- standing there, like, literally finally taking off the suit, because he's always wearing that suit, right? Mm-hmm. It, 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 for him, is, I mean, it's like a shield, and it's yeah. something that he's proud of. And so by, like, taking it off, and he's just so sad, shaving and stripping down, it's like he's really actually looking at himself for the first time mm-hmm. and seeing, like, no, I fucked up, and I and I have some issues, I think. That's how I kind of took that whole thing, is that he actually is realizing, like, no, I'm a mess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like we talked. I can't remember if it was the last episode or the one before where we talked about hurt people hurt people. And I yeah. think we see a lot of where his behavior comes from because there's just so much like self-loathing as he's looking at himself. He's saying like stupid, stupid. And he's shaving his hair off. And yeah. like to a point where I was afraid he was going to like cut himself because he's oh, like yeah. he's getting really aggressive. And I think. I think these gills have a lot to do with it. You know, like I think he ha- he feels a lot of shame with his body. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen like Homelander treats him like shit. Like nobody yeah. treats him well. They kind of, what he called himself the diversity hire, which is kind of bullshit. But he's also like he's the water niche in the seven, you know, and yeah. he knows that's his only value. And he knows now that he, yeah, that his liability outweighs his value and there isn't anything he can do about it you know yeah no oh but i just i love the deep and it's 
I don't know. I think it's good for him to get to this point. Like, and mm-hmm. we've talked a lot about this, so I don't want to belabor it, but I love that like he has done such horrible things, but that he is still a human being and he still has feelings and both of these things can be true at the same time. And we can think what he did to Starlight is disgusting and mm-hmm. awful and that he should not be part of the seven, but also feel really bad for him for having done that, you know, having lost yeah. that. It is interesting too if you look at like his arc over the entire season, like having started out like so despicable, you know, by doing mm-hmm. this like really awful thing, like we immediately don't like him. And so there's something like it's interesting seeing him at such a low point mm-hmm. and yet somehow they've been able to keep this level of like he's actually become more likable. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's but you don't like seeing him at that low point. But at the same time, it feels mm, I guess just it feels right. Yeah. So in some ways, it's like, yeah, he deserves to be that low. But we don't necessarily have to feel good about him being there. Right. But in some ways, it's like, OK, well, now that he's kind of accepted i guess the how much he's messed up in some way i don't think fully yeah but in some ways he's realizing like no i've made some serious mistakes and really messed some things up maybe that there's hope for him to take further accountability and become a better person it's just it's a it's an interesting way that his character has fallen but also be like come more likable it's very strange (laughs) yeah and i think kudos to everybody for that exactly yeah like (laughs) i'm telling you he's one of my favorite characters um not because of what he does but just because i i just because i think that's how change actually happens you know and i think there's a satisfaction in seeing him get to this low point because we see that he does really start to understand it. You know, it's not like I'm going to post my notes app and I'm going to pay my time in Sandusky and it's going to be fine. And I'll just say all the things I need to say. My notes app apology. Sorry. That's what I meant to say. Um, Like he does actually, uh, he has internalized this. And I think, I mean, I know what's going to happen, but I think, I don't know. It's just interesting because I think if more people were able to actually feel this pain that he is going through, then I think we would have a lot more people who actually change rather than just change on the surface, you know? Totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, speaking of changing um, or not, let's talk about <laughs> A-Train. And I wrote, please, I'm a star because I had yeah. um, uh, Pearl, Pearl in my head. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because he has this very, like, don't you know who I am? You're all, I'm going to be on national news, which is a Reese Witherspoon quote from when she got pulled over for DUI in Nashville, um, <laughs> in case you didn't get that very obscure reference. Um, but yeah, so we see him at first on crutches, and he gets profiled in a store, which is interesting. He is being treated like a regular person. I guess he didn't want to wear his uniform while he was on crutches or... Yeah. Didn't, couldn't get the pants over his leg or something but well it's ooh. like he didn't want to be recognized because he's injured mm-hmm. i think yeah i think you're and probably then, right yeah and then when he doesn't get recognized well i mean he, he gets profiled like that's a little bit different because yeah. obviously like nobody wants to be profiled like that's mm-hmm. awful and so i think that's part of it but the fact that he does like get confronted by this guard or he confronts the guard and the guard still doesn't know who he is Mm -hmm. 
is just, I think that's too much for him. Like, it's like a, it's his fear, right? His greatest fear is like, he's not going to be the celebrity superhero anymore. And so Mm -hmm. when he gets like just a little taste of that, of course, like nobody would, nobody would feel good about that. Right. And he doesn't handle it well. No, he does not. He starts yelling and he and then he starts taking V again. And I think it's it's interesting because that's essentially kind of what happened to Popclaw. Like she didn't get into the seven. She didn't get nearly as high as he did. But he has seen her live kind of this life of like half obscurity and like sometimes people recognize Mm -hmm. you and sometimes people don't or sometimes people laugh at you and you can't say like I'm in the seven Homelander's got my back to like kind of shut them up, you know, so he knows what that life is, too. And I was thinking like because at first I was thinking, well, maybe if he still had Popclaw, he'd be able to handle it better. And the tragedy is that he. He could have had that, but he was too afraid of it because I think he's seen what that life would be like for him. And he has decided that he doesn't want it for for a variety of reasons, I think mostly out of fear. But yeah, and vanity, there's vanity, too, you know. But yeah, he's another one who his his trajectory on the show over the course of the season has just been so interesting because he is despicable and he does awful things he does awful things in this episode too but i still feel sorry for him you know oh totally and he i mean we see like i mean it ends with he has a heart attack Mm -hmm. which you know is likely um a consequence of his abuse of compound v Mm -hmm. and it's just it's just so sad because it's like it's just this one it's he's somebody who's so desperately is just trying to maintain this outward perception and trying to maintain this status, even when it's just completely the the quest for that is destroying his life. Mm-hmm. He's alienating everybody that loves him. His brother ends up being like, dude, you're on your own. Like, I can't help you anymore if you're going to keep doing this. And so mm-hmm. he's lost his like, or he's at least damaged his relationship with his brother. Obviously, he's lost Popclaw. So, yeah, it's just, you know, not even the fastest man in the world can outrun the consequences of his actions. <laughs> that and is very true. Yeah. Just, yeah, it's really sad. Yeah. And I think like when, because it has just been a never ending stream of trying to dig yourself out of a situation and just making it worse. And I think about like kind of the through line of the show Fargo is like one bad Mm. decision just spirals until you just don't even recognize yourself anymore. And I think like if Homelander were a different kind of leader, if Homelander had not one had concocted this whole plan, because a lot of this comes from a train trying to run this compound V all over the place. That's what killed Robin. That's what started a lot of it. That's what keeps a train in the presence of compound V, which is a temptation for him. Yeah. Like if he were getting the support that he needed as a part of his job, as a part of like an extremely stressful job that he's doing, like, I wonder what kind of a person he would be, but it just, I think he is really, he is a bad person. I'm going to say he's a bad person. He's done a lot of bad things, but I think he is one that I can kind of clearly see has just been victimized over and over again by Vought, you know? Oh, yeah. And they're not, I mean, they're not, I guess Vought, I guess, is a company. And, and even his, like, the fellow soups have not 
tried to step in and help him in any way. Mm -mm. Like they're, they haven't said anything be like, Hey, a train needs some help. A train's struggling, but they just, they, they don't care. He's just a product. He's just a commodity. He's, you know, he's a celebrity. He's not really a person, I guess. They're not treating him like a person and it's, yeah. And I think he knows that, which is why he's not comfortable telling them like, Hey, I'm physically struggling. Maybe we can see a doctor, get some specialists, like you have unlimited resources, but no, none of that. (laughs) Yeah. That's not the kind of culture they run, you know? Yeah. And like, we've seen that there are people that have powers very similar to his too. Like the deep, I feel like we have not seen anybody that could like do the same job that he's doing. Like anybody who can, like it's going down into the Mariana Trench. Like that's pretty impressive. It kind of blows my mind that they're not... I don't know, more impressed with him. But like A-Train can be replaced and he is constantly thinking about that. And yeah, it's just there. there is no support there for him. And I think we see, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but like we see Starlight kind of see that, you know, I feel yeah. like she wants to help him and they, and she does. She and Huey do help him when he has his heart attack. Like you can see them both calculating, like, should we let him die? You know, and they both, ultimately decide not to and it's Huey that leads that even though he's the one that killed Robin which I think just says so much about his character you know yeah I mean he sees that it's like oh shit this guy's like you know he's he's not killing him and like anger or like fighting like this is a human who's collapsing in front of me like something else is going on here like nobody wants to I would I would think anyways like, I don't know, that's not like an honorable yeah. way to, or like a way that you could defend killing somebody, like kicking them when they're down. Like, that's no good. And that's not who Huey is, I think. No. And yeah. he's just like bared his soul to Huey. Like, this might be the most honest we've ever seen him. Because he admits yeah. that he killed Popclaw, but, and he still blames it on Huey. And I mean, to a certain extent, Huey did put her in a compromising position, but he is still the one that made the choice to kill her. Mm-hmm. And but he says, "You killed the only person I've ever loved," which just it just breaks your heart, you know. <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think he can also see that he is altered. I mean, I can tell he's kind of sweaty. He's got that V vibe, you know. Um, but yeah. A train. He's he's down and out when we leave him. But you know who's not is Black Noir. <laughs> yeah. This might be my favorite Black Noir moment that we have seen so far. He, I don't think he does anything else in this episode except at a no. fancy party. They're playing um, the kind kind man playing the piano, doing a great job, and Noir just walks up to him. And just sits down next to him and stares him down until he gets up and then he plays the piano. <laughs> and I would just I love to hear your reaction to the scene. Oh, I loved it. Loved it. Like, I just, I mean, we just get these little, tiny, little glimpses at who Black Noir is. And I'm just loving it because it's like he's literally said nothing. But like, oh, but he's, you know, an actual, like competent pianist okay (laughs) did not see that coming but I love it (laughs) I do too and I just love how menacing he is when he just oh he doesn't need to say anything just he just can stare at you and be like okay I'm leaving (laughs) right also gotta say I just love a man who plays piano like that's always gonna get me so I'm I'm a black noir fan and I am curious to see more 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I know some stuff that's going to happen, but I'm curious to see where we go from here. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, We can talk about this in the next episode, but I also I read a little bit of a behind the scenes quote that apparently he has fallen asleep while they were filming sometimes (laughs) because (laughs) he's not saying anything. He's not doing anything. And his face is completely covered. (laughs) And like it has to I mean, being on sets is really tiresome sometimes because it's mm-hmm. just like you're setting up and redoing it and you're just sitting yeah he's just sitting there and like he's in costume and i just have to imagine especially if somebody's having a hard time with their words and just take after take and he's just like oh my gosh you guys right exactly the suit is really hot <laughs> guys can we can yeah. we like lock it up yeah but i also think it's interesting like the body language that he has because we haven't seen him too much but he's so menacing and he does have a presence when we see him and i think that speaks to the actor who is playing him that he does he's able to do so much and be so intriguing with so little he holds himself very confidently and we see that homelander seems to respect him Mm -hmm. which is also interesting because it's like oh okay like they have some sort of understanding and Mm -hmm. you can you can feel that in the way that he carries himself yeah well, let's move into Spice Girls, which is when we talk about our good guys. And we've already mentioned, let's talk about Annie. Have we said any? Okay, yeah, there is still some more to say about Annie. And maybe we can kind of talk about Huey and Annie together because a lot yeah. of their storyline kind of intertwines in this episode. So we've talked about Annie confronting her mother, but she also talks to Huey about this. And I think. She is really kind of wrestling with what it means to actually be a superhero. Yeah. And because she, we see her go back to her skimpy outfit and see, like, it feels like she wore it by choice this time. Yes. You know? Oh, no, totally. It was, it's really funny. It seems like, you know, for Annie, it's kind of a barometer about how she's feeling on yeah. certain days. Mm-hmm. I, it's like, you can tell how, what, like, her headspace is, it's like a, it's like a, in a you know an apparel mood ring for her it's like today <laughs> i'm feeling like you know the slightly more promiscuous seductive starlight and mm. then on other days she's annie it's like these kind of like these two parts of who she's expected to be and sometimes she's leaning one way or the other and yeah so when we see her at that party she's a little tipsy uh-huh. and she's you know it's i feel like she's letting vot win in that moment yeah um I did find it interesting. It's like, well, just because you're a superhero, I guess, doesn't mean you can just have like an unlimited amount of alcohol. I thought that was refreshing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it it is interesting to see like the limits of their powers because like their skin <laughs> is very like strong, but their livers might not be. You yeah, know? you can still get sick and drink. Exactly. Too much. <laughs> yeah. And it it is a nice bookend, I think, too, because we also see her puking in the bathroom and then Maeve coming to talk to her. And so just to see kind of how far she's come. And when she goes to save them in the end, she changes back into her original yep. outfit, which mm-hmm. I just think is is perfect. It's like, no, this is this is who I am. And she has a conversation with Maeve um, where I think she because I think you're right. I think she put that outfit on thinking, fuck it. I'm just going to yeah. let Vought win. And then she has this mm-hmm. conversation with Maeve where Maeve says, like, 
the more every time you give a piece of yourself away, it makes it easier to give the next piece. And eventually you don't have anything left. And I think she has seen what has happened to Maeve and Maeve kind of gives her permission in in a kind of cruel way. But like it's I think it's meant to be sweet is like be your goody two shoe self, like be your good person, be the fucking yeah. superhero because that's who you are. That's what you want to do. And saving the day which is what you've always said you wanted to do doesn't always mean rescuing like cats from trees or kids falling off of bridges. Sometimes it has, it means taking down the company that you work for and that's what superheroes do. And you said you wanted to do this. So that's what it is, you know? Well, she lets her know that like everything she believed in wasn't a lie. Like she's like, I broke, I did break every, all these bones in my arm. Like I really did that. Like mm-hmm. you, like, I think it hurt her when Annie left and was basically like, oh, that was all just like a marketing, you know, somebody in marketing wrote that. Mm-hmm. And Maeve was, you know, basically saying like, no, they didn't. Like, I really did that. Like, yeah, your belief in me wasn't in vain. Like, you weren't wrong to want to be a superhero and save people. Mm-hmm. Just like Maeve wasn't wrong either. And Maeve has just kind of had, like she says, she's given away pieces of herself. So you know, Annie calls it casual cruelty, but I just think it's brutal honesty more. Yeah, I think so too. And I mm-hmm. and so it's just like how Annie's perceiving that information. It's like Maeve is just she's talking to Annie in a way that nobody else is going to. Mm-hmm. And she's not holding any punches or coddling her. She's yeah, be a fucking superhero. You're not an idiot. Yeah. Like just go do it. And that right. I think Annie needs to hear that because she has been coddled her whole life. And, you know, she's, but she's also not wrong to want to be that. And I think that that's what Maeve is trying to tell her. Like, you're not wrong to want to be a superhero and you're not stupid for wanting to be a superhero. So, yeah. And there are people that need saving and like, this is yeah. something that needs to be done. And I think when I look at Maeve, I think it's always so hard to go first too you know like and I think Maeve heard her say that oh that that story probably wasn't real and Maeve was like no that was like the last real thing I did you know yeah and I'm you know maybe there was something in between that you know but that was like that was who she used to be and who she can be again but it's you know I don't blame Maeve for being where she is because she's also been trying to kind of in a casually cruel way, help Annie survive in this culture, too. She's like, mm-hmm. if we're not going to change things, this is how you get by. And mm-hmm. and I think maybe she, Maeve is starting to realize, like, maybe Annie can change things. You know, like, mm-hmm. she, she is a change agent and she will do, <laughs> she has the will to do this more, the will that I used to have and you know, I don't think she's ready to jump on board with Annie, but I think she's closer than she was, you know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Oh, I love Maeve. Well, let's, I mentioned him a minute ago. Let's talk about Huey, because I also really love Annie and Huey's conversation here. Like when they, when they connect outside the church and Huey is like, yeah, this, what we were just saying, like you said you wanted to save the world. This is what it is. Yeah, I'm expecting you to do this. Like, I'm asking for your help, but also like, I believe you will help me because you told me you wanted to help people. And I believed that. And and I think she really wants him to talk her into it, too. You know? Yeah, he's so sweet in that moment. And just Mm -hmm. like, you know, 
talking about how like you know saving people and he's just talking to her about you know he did save her mm-hmm. not in the way that you know she's thinking she needs to save people but like there's there's other ways like he Annie was the reason to believe in better things to kind of step away from like butcher's narrative mm-hmm. which i think he was kind of like signing on to and buying into out of his grief and starlight was i mean she's his guiding star right a little oh, bit uh-huh. kind of like giving him something else to follow and kind of pulling him out of like the darkness that he was in mm-hmm. and kind of showing him that there's another way another option and that there's butcher's way isn't necessarily the only way um to kind of work through what happened to robin and i think you know annie hadn't thought of it in that way yeah and it was yeah it was it was really cute it was he's just so sweet and like when he he's like well when you put it like that like he just can't help but be his charming little self you know yeah but i think in the same way that we were just saying like being a superhero sometimes means taking down a corrupt company. Sometimes it also means just being there and being supportive. Cause that's what Huey says. He's like, you know, you didn't do anything special. It was just like, you were just there for me. And that is also what being a superhero is. And that's something that we're going to hear. We're going to hear later on too but mm-hmm. i just really love that like she is really starting to realize one vod is not who i thought it was but also like this job i can still be a superhero it just doesn't look mm-hmm. like what i thought it would you know yeah well things just aren't so black and white like i mean that's what this whole mm-hmm. show is right just blurring the lines between good and evil and like that there is a lot of gray area and that doesn't mean that somebody's right and somebody's wrong it's just every situation is different and i think she's kind of starting to see that with huey like oh some of the things i may not have liked how he did some of these things Mm -hmm. and but i can see why he did it and i can see that there was a good motivation behind it and that ends up having her go and help rescue oh okay because frenchie and mm get captured yes (laughs) by vat and they are stuck away and then eventually huey goes to you know rescue them quote unquote rescue them oh and kamiko (laughs) is also trapped Mm -hmm. um and starlight does go and help them because i think she had a moment to think about it and she did have the resources to do something about it and to find them Mm -hmm. and decides to help them because i think she's finally seeing that like yeah, they're wanted people, but that's not necessarily the full story. Right. Yeah. And that's who she is. She is somebody that helps people, you know, yeah. and that's and I think that putting her old costume on, too, it's like really reconnecting to what she got into all of this to do in the first place. And the end game might not be exactly what she thought, but the intention is still the same. And, you know, that's also like that's kind of what love is you know you were saying like Huey would has done things she doesn't agree with or she wouldn't have done Mm -hmm. it that way but like that's that's what caring for somebody is you know or loving somebody is accepting the differences and what what they bring out in you and what you're able to bring out in them and I just think they're just such a sweet couple you know and it's it's like this little Romeo and Juliet kind of thing but I just love seeing their relationship evolve. 
Well, um, and like Huey going to rescue Frenchie and oh. MM with like, you know, uh, a very <laughs> never has um, a man thrown his life away so yeah. completely <laughs> with just like, yeah, a, like a barely a thread of an idea of how he's going to get out of that situation and actually mm. rescue them. Like that's so unlike the Huey that we got at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And so just to see how much confidence I think he's gotten over this season and really kind of come into his own is like, honestly, it's really kind of like beautiful because he's mm-hmm. also still very much Huey. <laughs> yes. Like he, mm-hmm. like he, ha- it's not like he's completely, you know, gone into a cocoon and like come out like a new butterfly, like kind of thing. It's like, he's still the same person. He's just mm-hmm. learning to, I don't know, embrace his own strengths in some really kind of funny, interesting ways. Cause I, yeah. he would never have done that in the first couple episodes when we see him. There's no way. No. But he did it here because he cares about these people. Yeah. Well, and it's using vulnerability as a weakness too, because like they didn't even think to check his retainer, you know, retainer. like they <laughs> like he essentially is able to rescue them because everybody thinks he's so weak that he can't possibly do anything you know and so he's really using that ability and it's just it's so funny I love Frenchie how like honored he is that Huey would essentially like kill himself to 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 try to save them and they have no illusions that he's actually going to be able to do it and then he does like he's the one that gets them all out and that's well, everybody's he- like like Frenchie is obviously like into explosives and these mm-hmm. big like displays of things. And it's like Huey comes in with a retainer to pick a lock. Uh-huh. Which it's like a simple kind of weird idea, but it totally works. And so it just proves that like having somebody like Huey is also like really beneficial around because they just think about things in different ways. Like it doesn't always have to be a major you know, endeavor a mission to like get somebody out. You don't have to like drive through the wall with a tank. Like there's other ways to get the mission done. Yeah. And sometimes it's, you know, your eighth grade retainer or bridge or whatever. <laughs> right. I love the moment when MM is about to knock it out and just his line delivery. He's like, no, no, we're not at that step yet. No, no, no. Yeah. It's just perfect. And that's one of the things I love so much about the show is that how the way humor is always kind of just weaving through everything, you know. Mm-hmm. But also, I think he's also realized, like, he does not want to be Butcher, you know? He's he's seen who Butcher has become. Butcher is really trying to manipulate him. I do think Butcher cares about him, but I think Huey is seeing Huey, or Butcher cannot allow himself to care about anyone more than he cares about this vendetta that he has. And he just, when he is insisting on going back for them and he says I think I'm doing this for Robin which is says to me like I'm not going to save them for Robin I'm being a better person for her you know I'm doing the right thing because that's the kind of person she would want me to be it just it's such a nice end point to this whole grief cycle that he's been through Mm -hmm. you know oh 100 percent yeah Let's, there's a moment with Kamiko that I had not noticed until this episode, but she Mm. starts to comb her hair and paint her nails. And then she tries to talk in the mirror, which is, we have not seen that before. And it's, it's such a sweet little moment. And then. I know. I'm so curious, like, 
just because like obviously I don't know where we're heading here it's like is she like can she talk but she's just like I mean clearly Kamiko has been through some shit yeah like her entire life like this (laughs) poor woman has suffered some trauma of in ways that like none of these people around her can even comprehend (laughs) right um Mm -hmm. but so just to see her for like a moment start to be like I yeah like I I'm starting to feel like a human. I'm starting to feel like I can trust these people. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Frenchie is really, God, they're so cute. You know, just I know. like she, it makes her want to be a human, I think, again. And so mm-hmm. it's just, and then to have it like all ripped away from her so quickly, like it's like, oh, <laughs> just let her have I her know. moment. <laughs> I know, poor Kamiko. Yeah, and I think from what I understand, she can talk, but I think it is a trauma response for her to be mute, which I I might technically be called selective mutism. I'm mm. Not a hundred percent sure about that, but you know, she I think she can vocalize because she gets yeah. kind of close in the mirror and we, it's like she's trying to remember who she was before and yeah i i can trust these people enough to not have to be the scary monster that could kill them at any moment you know yeah and i think we see mm finally kind of accept her also mm-hmm. you know as because they're about to split up i wrote boys in disarray um and one of uh, I can't remember where I wrote it, but like, and they're just like, you better take your girl. Like, how are you going to get her? Like, they don't care what happens to her. And I think this is kind of a turning point where they start to see her as one of them because M.M. risks his life to go grab her. Like, there are people shooting yeah. machine guns at him and he goes and he gets her out of the cell um while he hilariously like shoots a machine gun and apologizes at the same time, which I think is probably what I would do. <laughs> Oh, he looks so awkward and just like has no idea what he's doing. But you know, it's like who does? Like, there's only exactly a, you know, most most people I would think also would not know what to do in that situation, <laughs> right? And I just love the like, what the fuck? How do I how do I load it? That like that's my panic whenever mm-hmm. I can't like get the internet to work and we have to record or something, and I like yell for Corey and I'm like, I don't know what to plug in. Yeah, um, but yeah, so there and and we see this like. I, I didn't realize that M.M. had not told them about a daughter, but Frenchie says this really nice thing, like she made you a better person. And I think that's, yeah. we see Kamiko has made Frenchie a better person too. And that they're all, it's just a really nice bonding moment between the four of them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we also see Grace Mallory. Um, not a whole lot to say about her, but she, I think it plays a big hand in, um, kind of tipping Huey over the edge of like, no, I really don't want to end up like Butcher. And also I don't want to end up like her too. Cause she says like vengeance isn't a path to glory. That's not going to get you what you want. And I think that's a big part of the reason he doesn't kill or he doesn't let a train die. Cause like yeah. he knows what happens when you kill somebody cause he killed translucent and he doesn't want to go back there. Even if it means even if it means he might die because A-Train eventually comes back and kills him, you know? Yeah. No, it's interesting her popping up and Mm -hmm. just like her unwillingness to re-engage. Yeah. It's like, this is a person who is, who is done, Mm -hmm. who, you know, is not like she, her, yeah. I mean, Lamplighter killed her grandchildren and that was a result of her actions 
um, in some way, you know, where that, mm-hmm. that story is still all kind of like little bits and pieces, but we can, you know, pull out the fact that like, you know, she was involved and made some decisions and this group, the boys and Butcher and Frenchie and MM were all part of that as well. And she's, she's done. No, she's yeah. out. And yeah, I mean, it's sad in some ways, but also like it takes a really strong person to walk away from that. Mm-hmm and not get pulled back into that and she doesn't she doesn't help butcher she doesn't help huey she just sends them on their way yeah and it makes me really wonder what has happened in the middle of all of this and we know a little bit about her grandchildren and you know obviously seeing two more seasons i know a little bit about the story but we still don't know everything and i'm just yeah grace mallory is she's just fascinating because she's she feels like an unknown she's like part butcher part anti-butcher you know yeah but she calls herself the founder of their little club which i think is interesting also and so butcher has come to her yeah so let's talk about butcher lot to say here and this Mm -hmm. can kind of maybe lead us into our uh our shock and awe um because whoo man there's there's lots of shocks here but so butcher essentially gets screwed over by Susan Rayner. I don't think she intended to, but like the Vought has made a deal. They can no longer protect them. They can protect their families, which is, which is so big of them, you know, but she's like, get out of there. They're going to come kill you. You're wanted. They also insisted that we blame Translucent's death on you, which they did kill Translucent, although it was self-defense. But, um, so Butcher goes to Grace to get help um and i don't even really know what he's looking for you know like he's just like i don't know what to do i need your help and she tells him to go see madeline she knows that there's some kind of (laughs) boy is there a weird relationship between the two of them um and so he takes madeline hostage in trying to hurt homelander and you want to just move into shock and awe and kind of because it's really hard to talk about butcher without talking about oh yeah we just have to talk stuff. about this this whole last last little scene here because there's that's a lot <laughs> yeah so let's skip down to um shock and awe um before we get into butcher i want to talk about madeline and homelander sex um which so is so awkward ooh. But lovely. It was lovely. <laughs> oh, God. It's like awkward and gross and uncomfortable. I did not. I did not care for it, even though it's like a really quick scene. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I appreciate her in control of it. You know, like you get yours, but it's oh, it's so weird. And it's so manipulative, you know, mm. on both yeah. sides. So that I put that in my shock and awe because, woo, that was oh, that was that was mm-hmm. interesting. Um mm-hmm. And she lets it slip that, like, she and Dr. Vogelbaum have not gotten their story straight. And so after she promises no more lies, she yeah. just keeps talking just a little bit longer. And Homelander knows something is up because she says miscarriage instead of bo- live birth and then essential stillbirth, you know? Yeah. But it's not what Dr. Or, well, said. I, yeah, what, I don't remember exactly what he said, but it's like he survived. They said, like, he survived, like. For 10 a certain seconds, amount, I think. Like, a, yeah. yeah, a certain amount of time, mm-hmm. which it's like, that's, I guess not, yeah, it's not technically a miscarriage, right? I mean, I think 
it's a the way they phrase it it's enough for homelander to know which i was like it's enough yeah enough of a difference of enough of a technicality that he well because we learned that he went back to vogelbaum right Uh it was an it was enough of a you know discrepancy that he decided to go interrogate him a little bit more intensely mm-hmm. <laughs> yes yes which poor dr vogelbaum i would not want to be on the other side of that so yes homeland or butcher has held madeline hostage he's got like a suicide vest on her and he's like holding the the button down and he it's interesting because homeland's like what do you want he's like nothing i just want to hurt you and she's the only way i know to hurt you you know yeah which is like interesting because it's like almost butcher just admitting finally that that's Mm -hmm. what he wants because it's like he i think i mean he realizes like there's not gonna be any sort of accountability for either vought or homelander from these government agencies like the story is too big it's too hot Mm -hmm. for it to actually be done like this is like something so massive Like, this is a scandal and a conspiracy so massive that, like, this is not something that's going to get taken care of Mm -hmm. in in a matter of time that is going to satisfy Butcher. Right. So now Mm -hmm. he's just got to, he's going to, like, his base (laughs) vengeance kind of thing and is like, well, if I can't do it that way, I'm just going to hurt him the only way I can. (laughs) That's all I can do. And, I mean, I think he is assuming that he's going to die in this explosion, too. So he's like, I'm just going to go out with trying to hurt you as much as I possibly can. Yeah, which is so sad. It really is. It's like he he would, at this moment, rather just die if that's what it takes to hurt him than, like, you know... I don't know, attempt to move on in any sort of healing fashion. Like he's just at that point where he would rather just like, all right, this is how I'm going to go out. Just yeah. Sad. And he, cause he has this conversation with Huey earlier where Huey's like, we're not going back for them. Like where Huey essentially is like, you care more about your hatred of Homelander mm-hmm. than you do anything else. Like you're going to let your best friends in the world die. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's just too scary for him to think about caring, caring. Like he has been so focused on this that he doesn't want to move past it. You know, he doesn't yeah. want to see anything else. And it is really sad. Um, but that's not how it plays out. And I, okay, you posted something on our socials, which was um, Carl Urban and Tony <laughs> Starr talking to each other. I didn't realize they were both Kiwis, as they put it, which means they're from New Zealand. Yeah. Apparently they've known each other for a long time too. Yeah, so cute. I know. Oh, I just love them. Um, but this is really their first big scene, I think, where they've really kind of talked to each other or confronted each other. And I love the moment where Homelander's like, "You are dark, and I kind of like it." <laughs> like, wait, because like, there's y'all have like more a, in common than you think. <laughs> there's a baby in that room. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Homelander goes up and like gets Teddy out of bed and is like holding him there, which is yeah. really messing with Madeline. And I think that's what's scaring Madeline is that uh-huh. Homelander is like putting this child in this situation. He's crossing a line with Madeline. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, you know, like as any parent or any, you know, like that would be horrifying. And she's not able to like hide that, nor should she. Right. You know, but the fact right. that like sh- like we constantly see her like take him up back upstairs, take him back upstairs, like please take him back upstairs, and mm-hmm. he- oh god, yeah, it's it's tough. Oh. 
And and I feel like if it were just Butcher, like Teddy wouldn't be involved in this. Like, I don't know how big this explosion would be, but like it is Homelander that brings the baby in because one, yeah. I think he's already decided to kill Madeline or that he can't trust her. And two, like he says, I mean everything to your job, which I think is so... It's such a, a brutal moment of like honesty for him, you know, where mm-hmm. he is really kind of internalized what this whole relationship was and how manipulative she's been, you know. And then he says, You care more about that baby than you do me, which I mean, which is also, so like <laughs> very revealing duh. about him. Exactly. Yeah. Like, did I, I don't under like there's some moments where it's like, is he just saying that to fuck with, or does he really, did he really believe in any sort of universe that? he meant more to her than her child it's but maybe not because he doesn't have that sort of like parent relationship so maybe he literally did think i don't know there i i love tony star's performance because there's Mm -hmm. so many times where i'm like it's it's hard to actually tell like wait did homelander actually believe that or is he just fucking with her either way (laughs) yeah well and it kind of like for somebody who lives your entire life with a created narrative like i imagine sometimes it's probably hard for him to really kind of tell or it's easier just to kind of relax into the things that you tell yourself you know yeah um and also i think because Madeline like I do think it makes a difference that she is a single mother and that there is no like family unit and so I think Homelander kind of sees this as like he called it earlier a status symbol rather Mm -hmm. than a baby um I don't think that's true I think we see in this episode that Madeline does really love Teddy her son but it's interesting because Homelander has never experienced that kind of parental love but now we find yeah. out that he might experience that down the road because Becca is still alive. Shocking. Sh- yes. I was wondering if you saw that coming at all because no, I certainly no. did not. <laughs> I did not. I did Ooh. not. And they have a son. So the baby. So we find out after he kills Madeline, which did you expect Madeline to die? No. No, I didn't expect him to kill her. I didn't either. I I also wasn't necessarily surprised, I guess, Mm -hmm. but I didn't necessarily, I didn't think that was going to happen. But yeah, he just, just bores her right in her eyes. Just, oh, what a way to go out. Just, I mean, she literally sees it happen, you know, for a millisecond, but like he makes it so... It's just such a cruel way, I guess, Mm because he's just looking right in her face and holds it. Yeah. Like, after she has just said, I'm scared of you. And he's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you should be. And then just melts her brain. It's, oh. Ooh. And then, okay. And so then (laughs) Butcher's like, oh, what the fuck? And just, I'm out. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But we see Homelander has saved him. And they wind up on a, a very suburban lawn. I love the framing of all of this, too. Like, it's really interesting how it all plays out. So he's got a 10-year-old son that we're going to find out. His name is Ryan. I don't think they say it in this episode, but I also don't think that's like a spoiler or anything. Uh-uh. But um, that he's got the little red glowy eyes, too. So he's definitely Homelander's son. But just what a mind fuck for Butcher. So, like, if he were ready to die because he cannot get over this grief of losing Becca. Yeah. And now to find out she's not actually dead. It's also interesting because Homelander 
I know I don't know if I believe this, but Homelander does not describe the interaction as a rape either. Of course he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And you I know, mean, we've like, talked about there's an implied power dynamic when you could literally laser yeah. somebody's eyes. But I, I think Homelander does not see himself in the wrong in this situation at all. I think he sees it as infidelity, not like yes. an assault. You know, I think he's completely ignorant to like maybe why she would have felt compelled <laughs> to go along yeah. yeah with what he was proposing in that mm -hmm. situation you know so yes i yeah yeah i <laughs> it's gross well and there's a moment where madeline has just climbed on top of him and he tries to like spat slap her you know and she like stops him so you could see him being like very aggressive to, yeah you know and i just picture Bella and Edward like <laughs> like before <laughs> yeah. she becomes a vampire you know like that's gotta be that's gotta be a little rough um but yeah so Becca's Becca's not dead though she's alive so Butcher's whole reason for being reason for doing everything is now gone or blown I mean, out like, of the water <laughs> it's gotta be like like such a mix. I'm excited to see how this unfolds even more because it's like that mix of emotions of like, holy shit, this woman I loved is alive, but also mm -hmm. like, holy shit, this woman's alive. And I thought that she's dead for the last like 10 years. Like, mm -hmm. what the fuck? Yeah. Like, why has she not? Like, why, 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 why do I not know this? <laughs> right. Exactly. What has happened? And I mean, you know, we can see that she had a baby. So like, I don't know. We're going to find out more about it. So I don't yeah. want to say, but like yeah. to, to see this, like on the suburban lawn, this all American family unit too, is like, not only have I, like, I thought I lost her. Now I've lost her in another way, you know, because she mm -hmm. is, is, is a mother to someone who's not my child too, you know, which is just, well, ooh, yeah. it's a big and old mind fuck. Clearly she's back, but I doubt she's, you know, just like, you know, in Pet cemetery and stuff. I doubt she's going to come <laughs> back, come back the same way to Butcher. Yes, yes. it's going to be interesting. Um, very excited um, that because I was not expecting that at all. And nope, I think that nope. is that makes me so excited to see the next season. You know, and I say that as somebody who's already who knows what's going to happen, but I'm excited to <laughs> for you to see. They're really. Like, I was just like. <laughs> I was screaming at some of these moments because it was just like, oh, shit, like Becca's alive. Right. Like, I, I just could not mm. believe it. <laughs> there are moments where I really wish we could watch these episodes together, you know, and this was one of them. <laughs> the like, oh. you, I, I don't know, what, like, how you are when you watch something with somebody that you've seen that, like, somebody else hasn't that you really uh -huh. like, and you're just, like, constantly, like, looking at them. You're like, what are they going to do? Are you reacting? Are you reacting? Right. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes Corey will look at me and he's like, stop it. <laughs> stop. Look, just let me watch it. I know. Uh, um, well, okay, so there are a couple of other yikes moments. <laughs> I wanted to shout out, we hear a choir sing Nimrod by Edward Elgar, <laughs> which is one of my favorite classical pieces, and this is not a very good version of it. This is not the Home Alone moment where it's a very, oh. very mm -hmm. good choir singing while somebody has a heartfelt moment. Yeah. Um, although it's also a hard song, so I don't want to be too... And it's rehearsal, so... 
But I do think it's funny, just like the use of it's like, oh, I bet because it's, you know, Nimrod and Mm -hmm. Huey's a little bit of a (laughs) Nimrod, maybe in this situation a little bit. Yeah. With with Starlight. (laughs) But it's also like because Nimrod was a hunter, you know, and it's kind of it's just there's a lot of different levels, you know, I just I I also love that piece. Um, And. Okay, we've already talked a lot about Atrium versus Annie, but I wanted to just shout out this slow-mo fight because it's really cool. And it's just interesting to see them battle with each other. And I wonder if the shoe were on the other foot, if A-Train would actually kill Annie if he had to, you know? Yeah, and I I will say too, you know, like the visual effects, I mean, this whole season, just like the way the show looks has been good but Mm -hmm. i did think that this episode in particular it's just i mean it's a tv show Mm -hmm. but yet and i know it's amazon and i know this show's really popular and probably has a pretty decent budget but like everything looks really good yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) like yes of course there's cgi and some elements tweaked here and there but like yeah none of it looks cheesy to me like none of it looks cheap Mm mm-hmm you know, like they're doing some really great work with what they have here. And really like, yeah, this fight is a great example of that. Because it's one of the few times we're actually seeing Starlight too, like using her yeah. powers in this way, mm-hmm. um, which is really, I mean, of course, awesome to see her actually like put them into play a little bit and see how she can kind of manipulate that and how she was using it to protect Huey mm-hmm. to keep, you know, because obviously A-Train's zipping around, but at least she's like, she's trying to keep him contained so that he has to deal with her mm-hmm. and can't go around and like get Huey. And yeah, it was a pretty, pretty cool scene. And how she was willing to, yeah, put herself in front of him, which of course, because she's a superhero, of course she's right. going to do that. But the fact that she's willing to do that. Well, and he has the opportunity to leave with them and he stays behind to help her too. And he's like, I'm not going to leave you. Yeah. Which I just think is really sweet. And it, it makes me remember, sometimes I forget with everything that has gone on that Huey and A-Train is really what started all of this, you know? And so Mm -hmm. we kind of see this showdown with the two of them, but it's not at all what I think I expected that showdown to look like, you know? Because that's what probably a lot more what would actually happen. You know, you don't actually want this person to die and you don't actually want to kill this person. So it's just... No, it's just it's 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 the the finale that we deserve and it also looks great like the way it unfolds with Huey's back turned and then it just gets really light behind and you realize starlight before he does it's just oh my gosh it like I like teared up me too like when she like came in it just felt like such like a powerful like moment and like entrance because it like not only was she here to like save the day right like she's here Mm -hmm. Because it's like her way of like, like listening to Huey and realizing mm-hmm. like, yeah, he was right. And I, I, I want to help them and I'm going yeah. to help them. And like, just kind of like, yes, they're back together. And like, in some way, whether it's like a romantic way or whatever, it's just, it felt very, it felt very good to see her come back in that way, in that costume. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was, it was very sweet. It was just a culmination of a lot of really great stuff. 
Um, well, and let's talk a little bit about um, good versus evil. I kind of skipped over it to go into shock and awe because there's just so much shock oh, yeah. shit in this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've already talked about a couple of the things that I wanted to say, but you have some really interesting notes here that I want to talk about. I, you know, there's like, it's like every episode, of course, there's these overarching like themes and ideas that we see this show playing with, but it's like every episode kind of has its own internal themes, it seems like, which I just has been really fascinating to see and how they kind of explore some ideas and how they can impact all these characters individually. And like one of them that I thought really hit home in this episode was just kind of like that brutality of reality Mm -hmm. just how reality and real life can sometimes be like the harshest most cruel mistress right yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we see like with starlight's mom and that, that that betrayal just how once starlight realizes that that truth just how messed up that is and and also like i don't think we mentioned earlier just the the faith aspect of it just like Mm -hmm. how that just completely just gets stripped away for good in this Mm -hmm. moment and how it's all been manipulation we see you know the deep realizing like the reality of his situation hitting him madeline (laughs) you know like the secrets like the truth always comes out madeline Mm -hmm. and the truth ends up costing her her life and then you know butcher kind of i think the reality of his mission and how he's handled it also hits him which is what we see when he's willing to sacrifice his own life Mm -hmm. and kill a baby in the process which also could be a nod to the comic if that's like kind of what happens Mm. in the i i I don't know maybe Ah, but um but you know like just where he's at in that moment yeah and then because there's it's funny it's like there's kind of a lot of like you know, this episode's it's about family mm-hmm. <laughs> in a, in a family. lot of ways, <laughs> you know, like, you know, in the Fast and Furious idea of family mm-hmm. where you can like transcend, you know, bloodlines, right? Yeah, your so chosen family. Your chosen family in some ways, whether, you know, you choose them willingly or not, but like also <laughs> how that kind of that generational trauma can get passed on, mm-hmm. you know, even like in smaller ways, like MM, we see him struggling with like, you know, that his daughter what you know i think they're going to be okay but she's probably going to be impacted with what happened here mm-hmm. <laughs> and sees like her mom and dad now in some sort of disarray that's yeah. gonna be sad and even like with homelander right so like vogelbaum his actions impacting homelander uh-huh and now there's this new kid who are who hasn't had a dad right now right. now he does but hasn't had a dad for 10 years and just like, oh shit, like what is this going to do to this kid? (laughs) This kid's going to be fucked up. Well, and it's interesting because we just heard Vogelbong talk about what a failure home he sees Homelander as. And like Mm -hmm. this kid seems to be like maybe his new marketable superhero. And so like maybe this is a chance to start again in a new way, but by doing that, you're also causing all of this other trauma. Like, if Becca had, if like Butcher never would have gotten into any of this if he had known what happened to Becca, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's just like the ripple effects of of how all of this stuff actually spins out and that you can't make these life-changing decisions and not have them actually change lives down the road, even if it's not your own life, you know? 
Yeah. And even like with Mallory and then Butcher and mm-hmm. Huey, like I, you know, I think a big turning point for Huey was seeing Mallory and Butcher and realizing that like, oh, Mallory kind of groomed Butcher and now Butcher is kind of grooming me to be the new Butcher, you know, like sort of like bringing people into this fold and sort of building this group and acting as kind of like their protege a little bit. And Huey being like, oh, no, I don't want to turn out like Butcher. And I definitely don't want to turn out, you know, like Mallory and like have everybody around me like, like lose their lives that I care about in pursuit of this weird kind of vengeance method. And so just kind of just how that's kind of like, I don't know. Yeah. How the ripple effects of all of these actions and all of these little subsects of, you know, groups that were are involved in this storyline is just really interesting and how they're going to play out in this next season. I have no idea, but. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's this really interesting element of like absentee parenting or like we were talking about earlier with if a train had actually been supported you know and so like butcher says this really interesting thing to mallory he says like you got me into this you wound me up and then you just dropped me and so it's like homelander not having a father you know or no no role model to actually guide him through any of this i feel like butcher is kind of in that position too he just has It's like she activated his anger and then didn't finish the job, you know? And I mean, I'm not blaming her because she had a huge tragedy, but like just when you don't have like a role model or a positive role model, what happens and how that can really massively change your life in ways that you don't really notice or you don't understand until you start bumping into other people, you know? So. Yeah, lot, lots lots going on here, but yeah. It the way that it all comes together is just, you know, chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Like just 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 really really beautiful how it all kind of came together and delivered on a lot of things that they've been building up towards, but also just like pulled some wild cards and mm-hmm. I am all I am here for that. <laughs> well, and I will say season two is banger after banger after banger. No skips. So I'm very excited to uh, to talk about that as we as we go into the second season. But before we talk about that, let's choose our fighters. So, Rachel, who's your MVP of the episode and why do you love them? I, I had to go with both Starlight and Homelander <laughs> in this because, you know, they are giving us two incredibly different rides Mm -hmm. in this episode. They took us on just two completely different trajectories here, but they, you know, both had me screaming and happy for different reasons. And I think both in just like from a acting and performance standard, like I think that they both delivered is just great performances and really sold a lot of these i don't know they just were able to convey the depths of these characters i think Mm -hmm. all season honestly Mm -hmm. but also in this episode too like they go through a lot both characters and Mm -hmm. just yeah i i thought they just did such a good job and yep 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 just really just so good (laughs) yes love them both i think I I want to shout out um, Frenchie. He's my runner up because I just mm. love 
I love his little speech when he when he just believes he has just gone on this kamikaze mission. Um, like, but say incredible. Wait, I can't do French. Incredible. Like, yeah. Oh, That's my five years of French um, yeah. that I can barely speak. Um, but I'm I I think Huey is mine um, this week. I just I love his like he really it feels like he has become a new version of himself you know like mm-hmm. there's still those moments of humor like there where he says well when you put it that way it's like okay this is still Huey you know um and I just love I think it's just so funny when he's shooting the machine gun like that's a really funny moment and I <laughs> yeah. think Jack Quaid really gives a great performance in this episode too and I just love him so um all right. Well, so predictions. So yep, yep. I, mm-hmm. what are you excited to see? <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, obviously I'm excited to see the fallout from yeah. <laughs> the bombshell that is Becca and this random kid. Mm-hmm. Um, not not only for how that's going to impact Butcher and Homelander, but also like, wait, this is the first superhero baby right like actual born superhero baby which obviously that is not necessarily like a public thing but like how Mm. that's going to impact internally like with Vought and kind of like recontextualize in the superhero at least the people who know about compound v like what that's going to mean um so i'm excited to kind of like learn more of that and then i mean (laughs) you don't pull out somebody like mr edgar and like not use him again right so Mm -hmm. like now that Madeline's out of the picture, like he has to play a role, right? So I'm mm. a- <laughs> maybe. Um, so that's I I I I would like to see more of him. And now that like, you know, Butcher and the boys and all that, who knows what's gonna happen there? But it, I don't know. It looks complicated. Mm-hmm. And then Huey and Annie seems like they are at least on a path of reconciliation of some sort and just kind of like what that means for them, not, not working together, but now that she knows kind of what he's up to, like, okay, so now what do they do with that information? (laughs) I I don't know. Yeah. Can they still hook up? You know, are we still going to, can we, we can't go bowling anymore, you know? Yeah. Oh, A-Train, like Cliffhanger, is A-Train alive? Is he dead? Like, I don't know. Like, (laughs) we're going to have to see. Yeah. It's a really great, like, satisfying finale, but also like lots of cliffhangers, you know? So it's a really great blend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me too. Like you, yeah, I will be tuning back in. Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> you know, that's the idea, right? Like hook you, make you want to come back enough so that you still want to watch it when it comes out six months from now. <laughs> exactly. But also feel like the entire episode has not been building up to something that we yeah. don't get any closure oh, yeah. on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well done, Kripke. We're we're mm-hmm. fans. Um, well, and speaking of season two, we are going to be talking about that, but not just yet. Before we do that, we are going to um, have kind of a season one recap episode where we talk about some of the bigger themes um, and some of our, maybe we'll choose our fighter for the season, some of our favorite moments. Um, And we are going to let some boys on to this pod. (laughs) 
Um, I think we're gonna um, we're gonna take down the no boys allowed sign. No boys (laughs) allowed. Let them come up into the (laughs) treehouse. Right. Yes, and we may be having some guests with us uh, to talk about that too. Um, But before we do, let's wrap up with some plugs. So, uh, Rachel, where can we find you online? Sure. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Vinyl Girl G R R R L, and on Instagram at the Vinyl Girl. And that's where I'll be sharing any other podcasts I'm doing, any other random writing or interviews. It'll it'll all be there. So that's the easiest way to keep up with all that. Nice. And you can follow me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram and same. I just post everything, uh, retweet it and follow us at Girls on the Boys. I think I got girls on the boys. Yes. Um, on Twitter and Instagram as well. Rachel is killing it with these socials. You can see that um, conversation that we were just talking about. Um, and want to give a huge thank you to the anatomy of a screen pod squad. Make sure to check out the other fantastic shows in the feed. Lots of really cool stuff and people there. And we will be back in two weeks to talk about season one as a whole. But until then, I feel like if we didn't get sued, I would queue up Rock the Casbah. Um, But until then, you guys, you're the real heroes. The Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.